Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Nick from Live Rehab. I'm Denise. And today we're coming at you to talk to you about professional relationships while fighting an addiction and in recovery. I'm Nick Roberts. I'm Denise Roberts. And welcome to Addiction Radio, the podcast from Live Rehab. We believe people should be able to beat their addictions without having to give up everything. Your journey to recovery and a healthier life starts right now. Yep, and so there's going to be a lot of different topics to cover. We're going to cover what it's like to be at work, what it's going to be like if you work from home, how you're going to have to deal with those career-defining situations, and how you're going to have to communicate with coworkers and potentially HR and those kinds of things. So it's a bit messy, but there's lots of different things you need to consider. The very first thing you're going to have to do is to think really, really hard and critically about the situation that you're in. We call this reading the room. You need to understand your current situation and how your addiction affects all the different aspects of your current work situation. Right. So when we talk about reading the room, it's really, and I know the the term is so generic, but there really is no one size fits all. There's so many different careers and professional relationships out there. You need to know if by talking about your addiction or confiding in somebody or if going to HR, whatever it is that you're planning to do, you really need to understand your rights and know uh, what could potentially happen before you actually uh, jump into all of that. Well, before you get yourself into a situation where you are on the back foot. So um, we used to own a business a long time ago. And when we owned that business, we had an employee who had um, some kind of addiction problem. We're still not really sure to this day what was going on. And she didn't come to us. She didn't tell us. She didn't you know, let us know what was happening. And she got in a situation where she hurt herself on the job. And as part of workman's comp, she had to get drug tested and she fought back and she said that, you know, this positive drug test, this positive drug screen did not affect her work or all these other things. But ultimately what happened is that it affected the outcome of the workman's comp and all these other things. And so uh, I'm not saying that that it would have changed had she come and been upfront with us about what was going on, but it may have changed the conversation. It may have changed how we could have helped her. We, of course, have resources that we can get people to. And because she didn't do that, because she didn't read the room, because she didn't, you know, be forward about that, we were unable to provide her with the the right levels of support and help that she needed. But it's not always the case. Right. So some for some of you, right, uh, by talking about it, maybe maybe you work with children or maybe you are a truck driver, right? And you know, like, if you were to say anything about your addiction, you could be fired on, on the spot, especially if you work um, in a right-to-work state or it just depends on your uh, where you live and the laws that are surrounding that. But for others of you, uh, fighting about your addiction may save or talking about your addiction may actually save your career and it may be super helpful to be able to go to somebody to confide and talk to them. So let's go ahead and talk now about how to explain uh, your situation depending on on where you're at with everything. So when it comes to the professional relationships in the workplace, you really end up with two scenarios. You either tell people about your addiction or you don't tell people about your addiction. Now, there are plenty of cases that are cut and dry, pretty simple, and there are plenty of cases that are much more complex. Right, so we talked in the, a little bit about reading the room, and I just want to give you, we want to give you some examples so you, you know where we're coming from on this. Uh, so let's just say that you work for a small organization, maybe even a startup, 
and you struggle with a pornography addiction. There's no HR, there's no one to go to, but you have this like, your, your work has been declining and you've been struggling a lot and now you're on track and you're getting the help you need, um, but you feel like you wanna tell somebody. Before doing anything on impulse, you might really wanna think about like the long-term consequences. If you tell somebody that you have a pornography addiction, especially if you've been looking at porn from your work, they're gonna, maybe your boss or your coworkers will stop trusting you, or maybe they'll you know, try to look at your computer history or whatever it is, you may even get fired on the spot. While it may feel good at the time to get it off your chest and you know this is what I'm supposed to be doing, think about the long-term consequences though. Could losing your job uh, spiral for you and would that cause you to uh, want to watch pornography even more and then in that case it probably wouldn't be a good idea to talk about your addiction with anyone at work but rather seek help from outside resources definitely there are there are of course situations where that that can trigger you even more obviously losing the job is a is an example of that so you've really got to be careful and understand kind of the relationships that are in that in that environment so to speak mm -hmm. and so another example would be if you work uh, for let's say you work for a really large corporation and they're protected by a union by an HR that might be something completely different especially if you are um, if if you've lost focus at work and your performance has been declining you may actually want to talk to somebody yeah, lots of big uh, organizations do have resources available to you, are able to get you the support that you need, and in fact encourage that because they recognize that mental health in the workplace is you know, a serious subject and it's something that they have to help people to get better at and to, to have a better work experience because they know that ultimately taking care of their employees takes care of you know, the company themselves as well. Right, so before you do anything though, you really want to uh, make sure that when you are talking to somebody that it's confidential, that um, you know, just, just know your rights and know what you're going into. Yeah, and then a situation that's probably a little more cut and dry, I, at least I think, is kind of like if you're in a work situation and you are dealing with an alcohol problem and you know typically on Fridays lots of organizations lots of companies like to do you know Friday happy hour and that kind of stuff it's important that you are clear with your with your coworkers that you don't drink uh, that doesn't mean you have to tell them you have a problem if you feel comfortable telling them that they have a problem that's entirely up to you or you had a problem um, certainly would recommend that just understand that people are going to have a judgment based on based on that even just telling them that they don't drink it can rise up their own feelings of insecurity about how much they drink. So you've just got to be careful with how you how you explain those things. So it might seem simple at the outset, but you want to make sure that you're you're considering those things. And if you've got somebody that you know in your company that's very judgmental and you know can potentially torpedo your career um, just because they're vindictive and they're just nasty people, you want to be careful with that. So just be be clear and be defined about kind of what you what you will and what you won't do at work, but make sure that you're not uh, putting yourself in a situation where you can really do damage to your career. Right, and so one thing though that also comes to mind when thinking about like going out with coworkers and Friday nights or you know team building, things like that is when you're early on in your recovery, a lot of, 
advice that you probably hear is like stay away you know don't go to bars and things like that which is excellent advice however you also got to remember that your co-workers are not mind readers mm. so if you just like stop showing up to these things they are going they might think something else they might not realize that it has anything to do with you thinking about your sobriety or your success but rather like, where are they? Do, they? do they not like me? You know, like, what's going on? And they may jump to conclusions. So communication really is the key. And if you're not going to be participating in those events, which is completely rational and completely like a good idea, you just need to think of things that you can say rather than just not doing them. Great. You might be in a situation professionally where you may need to have some solid backup plans. Let's say that you partake in your addiction, whether it's a substance addiction or behavior addiction. Let's say you do those things with people that you work with or people that you go to school with. Um, if you suddenly are you know, not doing those things and you're in a situation where everyone wants to go out Friday night and you don't know what to say, you may be tempted to go out and then tell yourself, oh, I'm gonna be fine, I'm just not gonna you know, drink or I'm not gonna do drugs or whatever it is that um, you're addicted to. And that's not setting yourself up for good success. It's true, and the first 30 days are gonna be the most critical for you. As, as we've always talked about, those first 30 days where you're really building your sobriety are really, really key crucial elements to how well you succeed in the further you know, 60, 90, six months from now and in those first 30 days having a good solid set of backup excuses and backup plans that can help you in those situations or get you out of those situations is going to be really really key i mean of course they're helpful later on as well but having them and having them practiced as well are really going to be um, things that you can keep in your back pocket to pull out in when you're in those situations uh, a favorite of ours is you know i'm on a certain medication and that works really well if you're um talking about alcohol right a lot of medication you can't take if you're um and drink at the same time because it can really damage your health right so we recommend that you have come up with five excuses or backup plans right and have them in your back pocket at all times but don't just think of these five things like Think of them, write them down, and then practice them in the mirror so that when you are in a situation like that and somebody does approach you, you can feel confident about the things that you're saying. And make sure they make sense, obviously. I mean, I, I know that kind of goes without saying, but if you suddenly have a family that nobody's ever heard of before, or you suddenly say you have a, an animal and everyone knows that you don't have an animal to take care of, they're going to think something's up, which is just going to get you in this situation. I know that sounds funny, but don't come up with crazy excuses. Often what works is what's closest to the truth, something that's very simple and very easy to, to explain that doesn't require too much complicated. You know, I've got to take a train to Nashville tonight to take care of a sick grandma who, you know, came down with the, the swine flu. Um, people are going to just be, they're going to be, they're going to ask more questions than you're going to want to answer. And it's going to get you into a situation where um, you're causing, you know, stress with that professional relationship as well, because they're going to, they're going to think something's up, which there is. But as we discussed earlier, you may not want to talk about that with them. Okay. It's time to talk about toxic people. Ugh, we all know toxic people, but this time we're talking about toxic coworkers, toxic clients, schoolmates, professors. Uh, obviously we've talked about, you know, toxic relationships in the past when it comes to family, 
when he talks to friends. If you want to know how to deal with those, just review some of our previous episodes. But this time we need to have a chat about toxic coworkers. Right. So toxic relationships, professional relationships, generally uh, don't just go away on their own. I mean, a lot of people sit and they try to wait it out and they secretly hope that that person will change jobs or that person will quit or the semester will be over soon and you won't have another class with them or if it's a client that client will will just stop eventually right but when you're fighting an addiction it's really important to not wait it out and instead you really want to tackle this head-on right away yeah you have to protect yourself you have to protect your sobriety now in the case of clients, that can be a little complex or it can be a little complicated because if you've got a client, let's say you're in sales, this is typically a sales thing, and you have a client that you know is a boozer, a big partier, and they expect you to be a certain way with them, this is one of those times where you may have to have a conversation with somebody in your organization that says, look, this client causes me to feel this way, and because of that, it risks you know, putting me in uncomfortable situations. And so then you've got to go back to what we were talking about earlier, which is figure out how to have those conversations when necessary. Because, you know, that's probably not a good client anyway, but, you know, for the business, it may be a big deal. And so they may have to move that client to somebody else, but you've protected your sobriety and you've done the right thing. Um, Right. Yeah. So do what it takes to distance yourself from those toxic people. If it means that you need to change departments, then do that. If you need to switch a class, then do that. Uh, But don't just try to see if things will get better because uh, when you're fighting an addiction, these toxic people can really get to you under your skin, but they can also trigger you. And they can, we all know that triggers can lead to relapses and it's just not worth hanging on or just trying to wait it out. Yeah, work work lunches, work functions, work parties, those kinds of things, uh, those toxic people are gonna be there. And so making the right call to have distanced yourself from them, it's gonna be you know better for you because you're not gonna be in as many of those uncomfortable situations. So definitely consider those things. And, and it's okay to, to make changes in work, it's work. It's you're there to complete a job, you're there to complete certain activities, whatever that is, or if it's in school to complete certain schoolwork and, you know, being in a different class, you know, maybe you can request a switch to your schedule, those kinds of things. Those are easy to explain. They're they're easy to say, oh man, I got moved to a new shift or, oh, my schedule got switched at, you know, at university. What a a bummer. And um, people don't often argue with that. With that being said, uh, some of you may have feel like you've exhausted all of your options, right? You have toxic coworkers and you've tried really hard to distance yourself or maybe there is no way to distance yourself at your work or at your school from the toxicity. So in that case, if you are able to, like what we said earlier um, about maybe going to HR, if that's an option, after you've tried everything on your own, you may have to. And you may have to go to HR, you may have to talk to your boss because there really is like, this is it. Like if you don't distance yourself from those toxic coworkers, you are going to be triggered and that will lead to a relapse. And it's just gonna be that never ending vicious cycle. Yeah, so the recommendation here is gonna be obviously to kind of write down as much as you can about what's going on. And you can decide at this point whether or not revealing the 
implications of interacting with this toxic coworker can lead to a trigger in your in your relapse and in your addiction that's a choice that you're going to have to make based on reading the room which we talked about earlier making sure that you understand your rights understand the policies that your company has and you know it's obviously a slightly different conversation as well if you say that you were addicted you did have a problem you don't anymore however this person may contribute to relapsing to that that's one way that you can talk about that as well but just certainly be careful and understand your audience and, and figure out you know what that might mean for you but you're going to have to be clear and you're going to have to be succinct and it's going to be an uncomfortable conversation there's no ifs ands or buts about it it's not going to be like a jolly conversation to, to have no it's not and you know you can bring your addiction into it like what nick was saying but the other option is to kind of separate the two mm -hmm. situations right so you can um, your addiction is might be your your personal thing that's going on in your personal life that doesn't have to come into this when you're having this conversation with your boss or with your professor or with HR, right? So uh, our recommendation is to to keep a journal for a couple of weeks and be very specific, right? And exactly what these people are doing and how um, it impacts your work. Exactly. Because more than likely, it's going to impact your work and it's going to impact the quality of your work and more than likely it's impacting their quality of their work as well. And so that's that's certainly one way to go into the conversation as well and be very clear and have examples that you can provide uh, that can help and then you don't have to bring in your addiction. Right. So everything that we've talked about up to this point has really dealt with kind of in-person situations. And I wanna take a moment to talk about freelancers, people that work from home, people that do remote work for companies because you are dealing with potentially a different set of problems and a recent study just came up that talked about kind of the isolation and depression and anxiety that a lot of remote workers and freelancers face. Those ingredients make for potential triggers in life that can contribute to your addiction and uh, situation. So you need to be very, very clear and understand how your current work situation contributes to those things. So if you're a freelancer and you're a graphic designer and you take jobs, you know, randomly, let's say, and you have plenty of ups and downs in your life, that financially that could contribute to your addiction. It can contribute to your situation. And you don't want to be in a situation where you are, you know, um, essentially not working and you're you're tempted to, to drink during the day, for instance. Um, because you're dealing with you know situations of, like I mentioned, isolationism, being lonely and that kind of stuff. And then for remote workers, you know, lots of people communicate through chat, lots of people communicate through email, and you may not talk to many people throughout the day. You've still got to manage those relationships and you've got to understand and decide whether or not that type of lifestyle is gonna help you in your sobriety or hinder you in your sobriety. And you may have to make the difficult decision of changing careers and changing jobs to one that has an in-person type of um, relationship. And making that decision to change your career or change your job, that's a big decision, but it might be necessary. And it's not something though that you want to act on impulse. So if you feel like you've exhausted up to this point, every option that you have, right? So you've distanced yourself from toxic coworkers or you haven't been able to, um, you can't go to an HR, you don't have anybody else that you can go to and you you just know that your job is so stressful and it's going to trigger you um, and you're gonna keep going down that path. 
you really need to start taking action today in making a change to find a new job. And like, don't do this impulsively. We're not saying go out and quit your job today or go out and drop out of school. Nothing like that. But it, we make it sound very easy to switch jobs. Of course, we make it easy. We make it sound like it's easy to make that decision. And we recognize that people have lives and we recognize that you have an income and that you have to replace those things. And maybe you've built a life around that income and that kind of lifestyle that you've come to expect. But this is where the rubber really hits the road because it won't matter 10 years from now what type of career you have if you're still battling your alcohol or cocaine or weed addiction and it impacts your life in a very, very negative way. You've got to think of the long-term effects that this job or this professional situation that you're in may cause to your physical health, your mental health, your spiritual health, your family, all those things, you've got to consider them. And it's really difficult to see that far into the future and think about those things. But now is where you can make the impact and make that change. And plenty of people have a resurgence in their career and switch to something completely different and are able to make that work. And maybe maybe freelancing is the option for you if you're in a work environment and dealing with people is a pain. Then maybe you want to be a freelancer and that's an option. Maybe you're a freelancer and you can't deal with being the isolated feelings and you have to go into a work place. Um, think about those things, but certainly make a decision and don't assume, like we've said before, that this, these situations are just going to resolve themselves, especially if you've taken action to try and resolve them and you haven't had any success. We've certainly talked a lot today about professional relationships, and I hope that you have the tools that you need or you feel empowered to make some changes. And I think the big takeaway from all this is that hopefully by making those changes and by tackling some of those really messy situations head on, your education or your career will not take a step back or you won't have to put anything on on hold but rather you're gonna soar and you're gonna power through this and things are gonna come out better in the end yep obviously there's so many different situations we can't possibly have covered them all or even scratched the surface of them so if you have questions or you you want to know something specific reach out to us ask us um we're, we're, we're more than happy to throw some two cents in there and and let you know what we think Yep, always here. Before we go, check out our addiction and recovery platform, Sobriety Success. Just go to liverehab.com and click on the free trial button to get started. You get immediate access to all of our addiction and recovery courses, workbooks, Q&A, monthly masterminds, and so much more. This is Live Rehab, and you've been listening to Addiction Radio, the podcast. You can follow Live Rehab on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, Go to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next time for another episode of Addiction Radio. Thank you for listening.